Hello and uh, welcome back to RPG Quest, the podcast where we do not play D&D. Uh, and once again, we're going to be jumping into Call of Cthulhu with a, a brand new scenario, a little extra Call of Cthulhu for you, um, and a brand new cast. Uh, my name is Chris, your humble host and game master, but as always, the real stars of the show are our our valorous investigators. Say hello, investigators. Yo. Hi. So for this adventure, we have a new face joining us, uh, Nicole. And a familiar face from our previous Call of Cthulhu scenario, Detective Jack Cassidy, also known as uh, Brendan to some. So, Brendan, I ran a little one-on-one Cthulhu investigation with you set in 1920s New Orleans. But I personally didn't think that just like one adventure alone is enough to kind of capture and show off the breadth of of the Call of Cthulhu system. Uh, So today... We're going to play a modern scenario set in current-day Cleveland, Ohio, called Ladybug, Ladybug, Fly Away Home. Uh, It's part of uh, what I think is a pretty fantastic uh, anthology of modern scenarios called The Things We Leave Behind. Um, It's full of great short adventures by some wonderful writers, which you can check out if you want to for yourselves. You can find it on drivethroughrpg.com. Uh, but first, uh, Nicole, hello, and um, yeah, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, it's going to be good. Um, so I, I wanted to ask, first of all, like, what is your experience with Call of Cthulhu? Uh, zero. <laughs> awesome. Perfect. <laughs> and um, how did you find, uh, yeah, just getting started and making a character and everything? Um, look, I, I will have to say I had to do some reading. Oh, it was a little different um, to what I've been kind of playing at the moment, which is things like Blades in the Dark and, um, you know, it's a bit, it was a, a little bit more um, stats heavy, I guess. But, um, yeah, I think it I think it makes sense mm. once you get into it. Yeah, I, I think there's, there's a lot of points to sort of go through and allocate, but I guess the thing that I like about it is compared to other systems is you don't kind of have to learn new concepts. Like, you don't, there's not like crazy feats that say, if this, do this, you can use these points to do this. It's just you know, build a character and add the stats where you think they, they should go, right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like I said, it seems pretty straightforward. I think once you get past that initial like, whoa, there's a lot of numbers here. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, um we're actually gonna do character introductions in game when we get started. So I think if everyone's good, I'm just gonna jump right into it. Oh yeah. Let's roll. Yep. Let's roll. Okay, so we're going to start uh, a little differently with some theme music. I want you guys to imagine this like like a dark detective TV show. Give me the ring. So this would be where, you know, we see the opening credits. Uh, it's current day Cleveland, Ohio. We see shots of the city skyline pressed against the shore of the, the Great Lake Erie, which is absolutely massive. Uh, we see highways, you know, concrete and traffic. Uh, before the camera moves over to the suburbs, we see some Victorian-style homes, American flags flapping in the front yard, cloudy skies. We see, uh, you know, a foggy night as rain sort of begins to, to set in. We uh, cut to a small wooden chapel uh, where we see a young priest who appears to be kind of angrily delivering a sermon to a small crowd. And we see other shots of Cleveland, you know, the dilapidated houses, the, the abandoned factories. And as the sun sets, 
Uh, we also see, you know, police cars patrolling the streets, shots of the police making arrests, even some police tape up, maybe a, another shooting perhaps. And then the camera pans over to a big box store. We see a parking lot, a few cars parked outside, and then we see people running out of the store into the parking lot, screaming, before finally the music cuts and we hear a single gunshot ring out. Uh, so we're going to cut away now to a different scene, a different part of Cleveland. It's about 6.30pm on a Thursday evening as we cut to the interior of a one-bedroom apartment. Uh, Nicole, would you like to introduce your character, describe their apartment, maybe tell me what they're up to this, this Thursday evening? All right. Uh, so you're going to see uh, Theodora Bloom, or Theo as she prefers, um, probably sitting at her desk uh, doing work. Um, Theo is a woman in her late 30s. Um, she's kind of medium height, kind of medium build, like pretty fit. Um, she has uh, dark brown hair that she wears in a short, slightly wavy bob. Um, and your first impressions of her would be normally that she's, you know, got a kind face. She's generally approachable, but there's a fair bit of intensity um, behind her big green eyes if you if you take a closer look. Um, she's probably got her typical, like, leather brown jacket, um, like, strung over a chair, and she's sitting there perusing, I guess, um, case files for the day. The apartment itself, uh, pretty pretty bare. Like, it might be... You could you could say that she's going for a minimalist style, but it just kind of looks like she maybe hasn't unpacked from when she moved in, which was months ago. And that's Theo. Great. Um, yeah, as we see Theo uh, sitting down on the desk with her, her lap work laptop open, um, next to the laptop on the table, uh, your phone rings, your work mobile, a black Samsung, as it begins to vibrate on the table, and the, the name of the caller ID comes up. It says Lucy Bates, who is... Uh, your boss at the FBI, uh, the head of the Missing and Exploited Children's Unit. Uh, well, yeah, I'm going to answer that. Yeah, of course. Um, you hear the voice on the other line. She says, uh, Theo, uh, listen, I really need you. Something really important has come up. Uh, a new assignment. How quickly can you be ready? Uh, Theo probably just looks to the jacket on her chair and says, I'll be there in 10. Great. I'm coming to pick you up. Oh, uh, Sure. Is everything all right? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll explain on the way. And she hangs up. Okay. And, uh, yeah, after about ten minutes, there's um, there's a honking out the front of your apartment. Yep. Um, well, yeah, grab, grabbing the jacket and the rest of my, I guess, kit, I will head downstairs. Yeah. Um, it's probably about 7 p.m., as the sun has just started to set um, and grey storm clouds and the rain is, has set in. Uh, Lucy opens the passenger door of her black car parked right out front. She says, uh, get in. Yeah, take a seat. And uh, yeah, she begins to drive. Um, and she says, uh, so little girl, about five years old, Caucasian, uh, abducted in plain sight from a shopping centre while in the company of a mother. Uh, was caught on tape. Uh, I only have some stills for now and a profile of the parents. Um, actually, she throws a folder which lands onto your lap. And she says, um, funnily enough, they have a file with the FBI. Uh. 
Uh, so the folder that she um, threw onto your lap contains a, uh, a photo. Appears to be like a still from a security cam showing a man and a woman in a tussle over a backpack. And then, of course, a small file on the family themselves, which you can, can read through now. Oh, well, yeah, Thea is probably just going to jump in and, and start doing that. Of course. Would you like me to read the file for you, or were you happy to read it out? Oh, I can, yeah, I can read it out. Um, just the dot points? Yeah, exactly. Right, so it says the Balfours are on an FBI radicals domestic terrorist watch list. They are the leaders of a fringe religious movement known as the Church of the Passover Angel. They run a website that is highly critical of the US government, calling it the Head of the False Serpent. They advocate the government's non-violent overthrow and replace with a fundamentalist theocracy following God's law and that of his herald, the Passover Angel. The Balfours have been suspected for years of possessing and stockpiling illegal firearms, up to and including machine guns and bombs, but repeated Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms investigations have turned up nothing. What are we dealing with here, boss? Well, I mean, look, we've just got to find this little girl. But, uh, yeah, let's not get too sidetracked, but it's just perhaps good to know. They also have a website, if you want to take a look. I found it a little strange. I'd like to know what you make of it. And, yeah, you see, um... Uh, there is a, a little URL there as well, which you can look up on your phone, which uh, is the webpage for the Church of the Passover Angel. It's uh, quite interesting as you click through. Um, there's a strange little pixel graphic of frogs sort of hopping and falling all over the page. Um, and the main part of the landing page says, The Angel Cometh five days and there's a sort of a, a timer counting down the days hours and minutes and then underneath the timer it says uh, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt both man and beast and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment I am the Lord now is the time to get right with God before it's too late. It's almost like a countdown timer to the day, well, I guess, the day of judgment, the end of the world. Uh, yeah, this is all this is all pretty concerning for Theo. She's not really sure what to make of it. Um, so I'm going to look back to the boss and, and just shake my head and say, has anyone spoken to the family yet? Uh, I mean, I assume they're going to be at the police station when we get there. Um, we can check out the camera footage, maybe speak to the family. Seems like the police haven't identified our perp here either. Um, but we've put this photo out to all the channels, so hopefully we'll uh, hear something back soon. Um, apparently there was a second perp in a getaway car, so the locals and state police should be all over that. But yeah. This website's pretty strange. And uh, perhaps at that point is where uh, there, Lucy's car finally pulls up out the, front of the, out the front of Cleveland Police Department. And she says, okay, we're here. Are you ready, Theo? Yeah, sure. 
We're going to cut away now to another part of Ohio, uh, just a few minutes south over in Akron, to a little place called Spins Bowl. Um, very different atmosphere. It's a lively Thursday evening. Uh, you know, we see kids, families, couples, bowling is the, the typical bowling music playing over the, over the speakers above the lanes. And over in the corner lane, we see a, a huddled group of about seven or eight um, middle-aged men, you know, blokes, quite large, larger gentlemen. They're, 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 they're drinking beers, laughing. They all have the appearance of uh, cops or, or former cops. And amongst them is, uh, well, Brendan, would you like to describe your character, please? Yeah, uh, Frank is a little larger than average. I mean, like mid-range, maybe 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, like, he's a fairly large guy. Um, at one point athletic, but in his 50s, he's, you know, stopped working out and he doesn't do much field work, so he's getting to be fairly husky. Uh, his hair has gone gray, uh, and he just, he kind of looks tired as he, like, necks a bottle of PBR. Uh, and even though he's, like, smiling and joking around with the guys while he's bowling, he's got that look in his eyes, like he's kind of uh, somewhere else, essentially, mentally. He's not even really in the moment, but he's trying to enjoy it. Yeah, perhaps you're, you're tuning out for a moment, kind of staring off into the distance, and you hear a voice cut through. It's like, hey, it's your ball, Super Cup. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, okay. Get up and uh, go up to lane. He's not a very good bowler, you know. It, it's just a hobby. <laughs> so so maybe he hits, like, four pins or something, you know. But... Well, let's let's see. Let's 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 do the first roll of the of the game. Uh, maybe make a, um, All right. a throw check for me. Yeah, that's a 66 versus 20, a fail. That is a, a fail, yeah. As you're kind of distracted, you get up and just throw the ball, toss the ball down the lane. It maybe knocks down two pins before uh, falling into the gutter. A few people laugh and applaud. Hey, nicely done. Yeah, well, you know, I'm the best. Uh, takes the second roll, which I'm sure, like, probably at this point intentionally, he just, like, gutters it and goes back to drinking his beer. <laughs> um... At that moment, Bosco, uh, as everyone's laughing at you and uh, another one of your buddies gets up to, to take the ball, um, you feel your phone vibrating, a message, and uh, it seems to be like pinging like crazy, actually. Yeah, I mean, I guess he like steps to the side where it's a little bit quieter and then pops out his phone. Um, is it a text or is it like a phone call? It's actually a telegram. Um, it's one of your ATF oh. channels that you're still involved in. Um, and it's pinging like crazy. Yeah, I mean, he'll, he'll check it out. Yeah, as you open it up, um, you see that there, there are a couple of photos being shared around. They look like stills from a security cam. And you're tagged in one of the, the messages. That's why your phone started pinging. Um, one of the messages, like, after the photo was shared around says, uh, just come in from the FBI. Someone else said kidnapping. And then someone else writes, in Beechwood, Ohio. And then, yeah, it says, isn't tag Bosco in Ohio, question mark. And um, the image as you scroll up shows a man, mid fifties, wearing a hat and sunglasses. Um, hard to make out exactly who it is, but he's fighting with a woman over a child's ladybug backpack. Uh, and then there's another photo, um, the same man, it appears to be only a few minutes earlier, um, based on the, the time code on the security footage, dragging a little girl about five years old, out of the store. Another message pops up from someone else, from the ATF, saying, that looks like George Lewinston. 
dot, dot, dot. Now, Bosco, you remember George Lewinston. Um, you actually worked together in the ATF. He specialised in far-right domestic terrorism. And as you look at this photo, this, this camera still, it's, it definitely kind of looks like him. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, Bosco recognises him almost immediately, um, sits down, finishes his beer, uh, and will send a message back. Yeah, I'm in Ohio. I'll check it out. That's him. Someone messages you back. Um, you should call Cleveland PD. Uh, before I before I do that, which I'll definitely do, um, I go back to like the boys have been building with. Uh, all right, guys, called away. Uh, you know, work never ends. Y'all have a good night. Uh, and toss down, a, you know, some cash to cover the next round of beers. Yeah. One of the guys says, uh, oh, good luck saving the world, Super Cup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, go outside before I make the phone call. Beautiful. Um, we'll cut away there. Um, it's Theo, um, you and Lucy, under the heavy rain, enter the, the Cleveland police station. It's about 7.30 on Thursday evening, um, maybe 7.45. It's busy and chaotic as you uh, walk in through the front doors and this pudgy uniformed officer approaches you. So, hey, yo, uh, yeah, can I help you? I guess that's what we pull at our badges, right? Sure, yeah. As, as you do, as you reach in, you, you and Lucy both pull out your FBI badges. He says, oh, oh, shit, yeah. Uh, uh, Captain McNatt is uh, giving a briefing right now. And he gestures towards the, the briefing room. It's got the glass walls. Um, you can see this silver-haired, slim woman standing in front of about 15, 20 officers. She seems to have a projector on. She's going through some slides. Well, seems like it's worth sticking her head in. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, you you and Lucy approach the, the briefing room and um, this uh, older woman with the short grey hair, she's wearing the captain's uniform. She, she notices you and she says, uh, oh, okay. Looks like our friends from the FBI have just joined us in time. Uh, we're just going over the facts. Uh, this is Agent Lucy Bates, uh, CART team. She's in charge of the investigation. Uh, she looks at the across the, all the faces. She says, what she says to any of you at any time goes. You got that? Uh, same goes for her field agent. Agent, uh, she looks at you. Bloom. Bloom, got it. Take a seat. And she gestures to some seats right at the front of this room. Yeah, take a, take a seat. And uh, yeah, she says, um, so as I was just saying, we have uh, Regina Balfour, little girl, five years old. The slide pulls up a photo of this, this young girl, blonde hair. She was abducted at 6.30 p.m. today while in the company of her mother, Sarah. The abduction occurred in the, the Bed Bath & Beyond in Beechwood. Our kidnapper, she clicks a little slide and it shows the security still of this, this man. Uh, you see now is wearing a hat, sunglasses, and what appears to be like a fake moustache. And he's got like a, an awful dye job on the hair. She says, our kidnapper, Caucasian, male, takes a little girl to a car waiting out back. This one here, she clicks the projector over to a security camera that looks over the, 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 the back of the store from the outside. And you see a picture of like a tanned colored sedan. Oh, she says, Ford model Taurus, tan. The car speeds off. We didn't catch the license plate, but uh, this is what I need from all of you, okay? There's an Amber Alert out right now for that car, for that little girl, number one priority. All of you get out there. Eyes on the car. Find that little girl. Okay? Make sure it does not leave the city. Make sure it does not leave the state. Okay? Let's go. Come on, people. 
and she sort of claps and begins to dismiss everyone from the room before walking over to um, to you, Theo, and and to Lucy. And she says, uh, "Bates Bloom, uh, lovely to meet you," uh, and extends a hand. I shake it uh, likewise. She says, "All right, uh, come with me then, please." And she begins leading you out of the briefing room and to another office. And, uh, yeah, as she's, she's leading you through the police station, she says, listen, I want to show you the full security footage, okay? See what you guys make of it. There's more than what the rest of the department's seen? Oh, some of the detectives have seen it, but uh, uniform officers, we just need them out there finding that car. It's a little, uh, mm, interesting. All right, then. Um... We're probably going to cut quickly away now to just outside the police station because this is the, the point where we see the, the figure of Frank Bosco uh, walking through the rain up the stairs towards the front door. Yeah, like he... Frank is not particularly good with people um, and he always kind of feels like he belongs wherever he decides to be. So as he walks in, he'll immediately pull out ATF badge uh, and flash it to whatever officer is working the desk. Um, and mentioned the the ongoing investigation that's that's just started. I uh, I know there's task force in here somewhere. I'd like to to be on it as representative of the ATF. Can you uh, can you flag them for me or show me the way? You actually recognize the 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 officer because you've done some consulting work for the Cleveland Police before. Um, the uniformed officer agrees to. He's like, hey, yeah, Frank, of course. A bit wet out, huh? Yeah. Well, you know, classic Cleveland night. Uh, listen, you want to speak to McNatt? Uh, She's uh, in her office right now with the FBI. Come on. And, um, yeah, Theo, as is, is the three of you, Lucy Bates, Kim McNatt, and, and yourself, um, go to sit in this office, McNatt's office, um, as she's pulling something up on the computer. Uh, there's a knock at the office door, and you see this, this uniformed officer and this other, uh, I guess, gruff and, and wet-looking older man standing beside him. And uh, McNatt stands up. Says, Frank. Yeah, how you been? Uh... Got a got a flag through the ATF? Uh, yeah, been better, been better. Uh, listen, uh, come in. This is uh, FBI agent Bates and uh, Agent Bloom. This is Frank Bosco, uh, former ATF. He's a, a consultant. Now offer a hand to each of them. Yeah, I stand and shake. Um, yeah, and Lucy Bates stands up and, and shakes your hand as well. And uh, Kim McNatt says, um, "Listen, I heard you know something about our uh, abductor." Yeah, well, we were. I don't know if partners is the right term, but essentially partners at one point. Patch me in on this. What do you know? Well, uh, we're just about to go over the footage now if you want to watch it. Yeah, absolutely. Hold up. Are you saying the suspect is ex-ATF? Well, from what I saw, it's it's definitely uh, George. And yeah, he was ATF. Yeah, I'm going to shoot like a bit of a concerned look to Lucy, but I won't say anything else. Yeah, Lucy shares a, a similar look raised eyebrow and then um yeah mcnatt is typing away on her computer and pulls up this uh video footage he turns the monitor around to all of you um and yeah the whole abduction was caught on on videotape the the tape that she shows you shows a large older caucasian man in a baseball hat sunglasses walk brazenly and with purpose up to this shopping cart uh he tases the mother with a hidden stun gun, grabs the little girl out of the cart and walks quickly for the exit. He momentarily leaves the camera range, but then comes back into range, still carrying the girl, 
and tries to retrieve a backpack that had been sitting next to Regina in the shopping cart. Um, the backpack is shaped like a, a stuffed animal ladybug. Uh, Regina's mother, Sarah Balfour, manages to rouse herself enough to grab onto the ladybug backpack. And then there's this brief tug of war that ensues. The abductor kicks Sarah in the face, but then lets the backpack go as this bystander tries to intervene. The man then flees out of camera range with Regina and a security guard runs through the frame about 10 seconds later in pursuit. Um, Kid McNatt flicks over to a a second uh, video which shows a second security camera at the exit of the store, which shows a little more. It shows the abductor knocking over a uniformed greeter with Regina, who's obviously struggling and screaming. He throws Regina into the back seat of this waiting car, this Ford Taurus, which then speeds off. The abductor then pulls out a handgun and marches back into the store, shooting a greeter in the kneecap as he does. And then he can be seen on on several different video feeds thereafter. Basically, he wanders through the store, gun in hand, toppling displays, brandishing his firearm at customers and generally causing a panic. Shoppers all stampede towards the exit. And then... After everyone leaves, he spends about 30 minutes just sitting in the store until a SWAT team arrives. You can see the the red and, and blue light, you know, lighting up the store from the outside. And then a SWAT team and heavily armed policemen wearing body armor appear in camera range. And as soon as this man sees them, the abductor, He pulls the gun up to his chin and promptly shoots himself in the head. I would like all of you to roll sanity, please. Six versus 40, extreme success. Uh, Yeah, it's a five versus 50, which is also an extreme success. Ooh. All right, nice done. You guys have seen some stuff. This doesn't uh, disturb you at all. Mm. Um, Yeah, Kim McNatt stops the, the footage at that point and looks up at you all and says, so what do you make of that? Pretty, uh, pretty fucked up. Uh, to clarify, the the guy who just shot himself is that George, or is it the guy who was driving off? That was George. Someone else. The camera footage right. didn't make out the person in the car or the car license plate. You've just sort of got the model and the make of the car. So George threw the girl. He abducted the girl. It looked like he went back for this backpack. Couldn't get it. Then went back outside. Threw the girl in the car walked in, created this huge ruckus, and then killed himself. Yeah, knowing the relationship there, I'm just going to wait to see what Bosco's reaction to all this is. Yeah, I I mean, regardless of an extreme success there, like he's not shaken by the actual act itself. Um, Moore just takes a minute and says, well, I mean, George has always been... A little different, but this is not. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't believe. It. What is? What is those things they do these days? Are you sure this isn't a? What is it? A deep fake? This is straight from the feeds. Well, I don't know what could have uh, driven him to act this way. I mean, he. We've worked on the same kind of cases. He 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 dealt with survivalists and militia, militia groups, but he had a family. Um, so uh, yeah, you sure this is our guy? Your guy, George Lewinston? Well, I mean, it's hard for me to uh, 
see what would drive him to this, but that is that is him. Right. Listen, we got the body over in the morgue. Uh, should you want to check it out, maybe ID him. Um, yeah, maybe you guys do that. Uh, I'm going to update the perp ID. Maybe we can get some cars over to George's house, see what the hell's going on. Has anyone contacted his daughter? Not yet. We wanted to be sure it was him first. Yeah, um, his daughter needs to be notified if it's if it's him. She She's probably better to identify him than I am. I believe she lives in Cleveland. Kim McNatt nods and says, uh, good. And uh, Lucy says, um, yeah, maybe she can answer some questions. Maybe she knows something. And uh, Kim McNatt looks at Lucy and says, all right, we're going to update the perp ID. Lucy, come with me. Um, and she leaves the, the two of you. Uh, Bosco and Theo to, I guess, to head over to the morgue, should you like. I guess Bosco kind of looks over at Theo. And, you know, he's a gruff old bastard. And Theo's a little bit younger. Um, it kind of gives the eye, like, well, what do you think about this? Um, so Theo's probably looking back to the, you know, like the, the tape. And it's just, like, there's something that's bothering her. Um and she's just, it might almost seem a little bit strange or callous to be kind of focusing on this kind of detail, especially with what Bosco's just seen, but she's just going to be shaking her head and saying, why would he go back for the for the bag? Yeah, that's a fair point. Why would he go back? Yeah, he r- really put himself at risk doing that. Look, I agree, we, we should head over to the morgue, but... I think it's worth following this up afterwards. I want to know what's in that bag. Yeah, the bag. I didn't even think about the bag. It's a good call, though. He did come back for it. So um, one of the uniformed officers um, leads you two over to the morgue, which is just in an an adjacent building on the same lot. Um, You just have to brave the rain for a few legs as you head over there and down into the building. The mortician is this, you know, this, I guess, sweet and kind-looking older man by the name of Dr. Shannon. And yeah, he pulls the, um, the body out of the freezer. And Bosco, as you look down on the, the frozen corpse now without the hat, without the sunglasses, despite the hair being dyed or like bleached, a, a, you know, in a bad dye job, um, you're now certain that it's George Lewinston. Yeah, I mean, considering the way he took himself out it's probably not a facial recognition so much as like I mean we we were in pretty dangerous situations together so I guess Bosco like kind of points at a circular scar uh, near the shoulder on his collarbone is like oh yeah that's that's him he he took that shot for me uh, and then kind of turns away the um the mortician kind of just uh, pushes on kind of tries not to acknowledge that uh acknowledge your emotions he just says um yeah pretty straightforward uh, died to a bullet wound to the head self-inflicted um by all other accounts uh, a healthy man bit of fatty tissue build up around the liver probably drinking that's that's about it um you see sort of pointing out to different parts of the body with this this pen getting real close um he points to george lewinson's face the exit wounds in the back of the head, so his face is still kind of recognizable. He says, uh, his upper lip, red and raw, from uh, probably household glue, had a fake mustache uh, glued to it. Uh, but here, here's where things get interesting. And he points with his pen to his fingers, and they look burnt out, like scarred. 
and he says, uh, he had recently uh, obscured his fingerprints. Oh, yeah. Some kind of uh, caustic acid, most likely. Interesting. You get, uh, you get toxicology back? Was, I mean, was he on something? No. Blood alcohol, uh, higher than zero, but not in a dangerous limit. Probably had one or two drinks, that's about it. Yeah, well, that's a false start. We all drink. Uh, no drugs. Hmm. Burn his fingerprints off. Like, I guess at this point, Frank has gone back to the, you know, the job. He's going to ignore who this is and kind of look at the hands. Uh, anything else? Uh, you know, back, look back at the corner. Anything else out of the ordinary? I mean, if you burn off his fingerprints, it's him. But what? I mean, why would he dip his hands in lie? You know, the uh, the mortician shrugs and says, um, I'm not a detective. Glance over at Thea. What do you think, rookie? I raise an eyebrow at that. Um, but, you know, go back, spend a moment looking over the evidence. Um, it's pretty clear he wanted to make it harder to identify himself. Did he know that you were in town? Oh, we haven't spoken in years. I, I doubt it. I mean, I'm up and down the East Coast consulting. What what's strange is well, all right, he scoured his fingerprints off, but he made a point of executing himself on camera, disguise or not. There's no way he thought he wouldn't be identified. So it has to be before that, right? Like it has to be something else. The um, the mortician pops up at that point and says, "Oh yeah, from the scarring, this was done uh, days ago." I mean. Anything else? Tattoos? I mean, to my knowledge, he only had the one from when he was in the Marines. Like, any other strange marks? Has he been branded? I mean, if he wasn't on drugs, we can safely assume maybe he was indoctrinated or brainwashed. Maybe it's mental illness. But if he was indoctrinated by somebody and he burn off his fingertips, perhaps he's branded or tattooed. He um, raises an, an eyebrow and says, oh, uh, yeah, no, there was a... There was a tattoo. He uh, turns the body over slightly, and uh, you see on his back left shoulder. Oh, okay. All right. Well, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> it looks like a star, a five-pointed star, with a, an eye in the center of it. A strange sign. Yeah, Bosco's a little bit more old school. Instead of, like, taking a photo of it, he's going to bust out his notebook and, like, sketch it real quick and write a note of its location. Now, that is odd. This is not the kind of thing I would expect to find on on George. Have you seen this before? It's a good question. Have I seen this before? Give me an occult roll. All right. As always, I need, like, 30 seconds to find my <laughs> to find the skill. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that is a 45 versus 45, a success. Uh, unfortunately, and um, you've dealt with, you know, extremist groups and cults and that kind of thing, you haven't actually seen this sign before. And you're confident that you've never come over it before. Yeah, like, it's familiar enough that I know it's something occult, but I don't know what it is, that makes sense. Uh, and, yeah, I'll just shake my head. No, I mean... 
it fits with a dozen other cases I've seen, but I've not seen this. It, you probably um, get the impression that uh, you, uh, with that success, it looks like it's common to kind of like Elizabethan era magical wards. Oh, okay. But um, you're not quite sure if it's older than that or not, but because those wards were all kind of influenced by strange things from the past. So it's, um, yeah, it's not something you've seen before. Yeah, I even with that slight inclination that it could be like an Elizabethan ward, I, I don't think that's something that Bosco would like know how to quantify. Um, but he'd point out like, well, I mean, pentagram with an eye in the center. It's obviously a cult. Probably old. Uh, does the tattoo itself look like it has been recently done? Like, is it still kind of red, or does it look like it's been there for a while? Hmm. Give me a medicine check, I'll say. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to tell. I don't think. Uh, yeah, that is, a, that is a 95 versus 1. <laughs> that is a fail. <laughs> <laughs> I, too, only have a 1. It's a 21 versus a 1 fail. <laughs> Look, it's not. It's Let's not. Let's hope we don't get out. sick. <laughs> it's not faded out or anything. It's not blurred, but it's hard to tell how old it is. Could be. It could be a few months. Could be a few years. Right. So it doesn't look like he's gone and got it done in like the last couple of days, at least. Um, it's not scabbing or anything. Or as far as my one can no. tell. Yeah. <laughs> Older than fifteen days. All right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anywhere between ten years yeah. and fifteen days. Exactly. You've narrowed it down to that window. Um, at this point, uh, Kim McNatt, the captain, enters the enters the morgue. She says, "All right, how we doing here?" Uh, basketball. Look at Thea. Well, the suspect has a strange occult tattoo, and again, I'll shoot a look back at Bosco, uh, and seems to have attempted to remove his fingerprints. Yeah, we noticed that. Um, obviously, was planning this for a while, I guess, um, but it's definitely this George Lewinson guy. Oh, it's George. Okay. I would still say, you know, that I know it's uh, callous, but his daughter should do the official identification, not me. Yeah, yeah, we'll notify her. Um, probably might be good to bring her in for some questioning to see what she knows. Um, I'll get on that. Uh, in the meanwhile, he had some personal effects too. They're all in evidence if you want to have a look. Yeah. Um, I mean, have you done a check or anything on him recently? I'm sure you guys are spinning on this pretty quick. I mean, what's he been up to recently? Is, is there somewhere else we can check that out? You got a file while we look at evidence? We've just sent some uh, officers over to his home. I'm going to see if anyone's there. Kind of need to get on that right away. Yeah. Alright. But uh, beyond that, no idea what he's been up to. Maybe his daughter will have some insights. Um, and she yeah, begins leading you back out through the rain and, and back to the police station. Um, and as you, you enter back into Cleveland PD, um, she looks at you, Theo, and uh, says, listen, I've, I've set you and Agent Bates up with a temporary office just next to mine over there. Uh, she's just getting set up. I think she needed you for something. Um, she points over to where you can see Lucy Bates getting set up in an office. Thank you, Captain. Uh, and I'll head off that way. And as, uh, yeah, as, as Theo walks away for a moment, um, she actually pulls you aside, Bosco, uh, Kim McNatt. She says, um, so, well, listen, I could really use you on this one, Frank. Uh, you know this guy, you know where he hangs out, you know his people. 
Uh, maybe you could find some leads on this. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm here now, and I'm certainly not looking to walk away from it. Um, I mean, I'm in so long as you uh, are willing to share information. I mean, I know I'm a consultant now. I'm technically retired, but, you know, nothing redacted, right? Right. All right, then I guess I'm part of the team. Is this my new partner? Like, you know, shakes his head towards uh, Theo as they walk away. <laughs> Yeah, he says, uh, I believe so. What do you think of a... Good instincts. Uh, definitely observant. Let me ask you this, though. And, uh, um, Nicole, I apologize. Bosco's just kind of a bastard. <laughs> Let me ask you this, though. I mean, how green are they? They seem fairly young. No, no judgment there. I mean, they could be incredibly talented. What the hell do I know? I'm just an old man. But, uh, any cases like this have they been on? That is a good question. Uh, Nicole, how, how green is, uh, Theo? Um, so I think Theo would have been with the card team for a few years. Um, like, she's, she's, you know, lifelong career, even though she's not as old as Bosco. Um, (laughs) but I think, you know, this is probably like one, like definitely shaping up to be the weirdest case she's taken, you know, like a lot of the, a lot of the cases they would have taken would have been, you know familial abductions and nasty stuff like that but nothing nothing quite as strange from the outset hmm um kim just just looks at you bosco and kind of leans in and says well worked with lucy bates before she's um she's one of the best so if uh she's handpicked uh bloom for this then it's good enough for me yeah well with that recommendation i'll take it all right you know, you know how it is. You just gotta wonder if uh, the person you're standing next to is gonna fuck things up. And you know, like I said, Bosco's an old bastard. I'm sorry that I'm being mean. As a player, I'm sorry. <laughs> As a character, like it's just how he is. <laughs> uh, but I'll take your recommendation. She um she just nods. Um, Theo, as you um you know, walked away towards the office where, uh, yeah, you, you walk away to the office where uh, Lucy Bates is getting set up. Yeah, you see her there setting up her, her computer and, and getting things in order. You wanted to see me, boss? Huh? Uh, uh, I mean, uh, I guess. I, I didn't didn't ask for you, but... Hmm. Uh, look, I'm probably going to shoot a look back down the hallway at that point. Are the other guys still there? Yeah, you, just, you could just see them chatting closely and quietly. Um... Look, I'll, I'll assume that, um, you know, they obviously had things they wanted to talk about in private, so we'll just kind of shake my head at the the ruse, I guess. Um, but step inside the office anyways, um, kind of fold my arms and go, well, this is already shaping up to be a pretty strange one, boss. Yeah, it's not, um, it's unusual. Hey, um, actually, while you're here, the Balfours are still here, the, um, the parents... Um, I think maybe you should speak to them. Has has anyone approached them yet? Oh, yeah, yeah. They've been speaking to some detectives and grief counsellors, but I guess now that we know this Lewiston's involved, maybe they know something about him. Hey, um, the bag from the video. Hmm? Do we have that? Not sure. Maybe it's in evidence. And uh, at that point, you see um, Kim McNatt and uh, 
Frank Bosco walking actually towards towards the office that the two of you are in. And um, Kim McNatt kind of waves to gesture you over. Uh, yeah, join join them. She says, uh, so uh, evidence, it's uh, this way. All right, let's have a look at the evidence. And then after that, I want to interview the Balfours. Balfours are here? Yeah, all right. Yeah. Um, so Kim leads both of you down to evidence, you know, tells the officer working there to get the evidence from the Balfour case. Um, and yeah, he brings out this, uh, this box. There's a few few things in, in, in evidence bags. Um, and he pulls them out and places them down. And uh, yeah, there's no backpack, but there's a, a handgun, a taser, a watch, and a burner phone. Where's the bag? Huh? What bag? The bag from the CCTV. Oh, the backpack? Uh... Oh, yeah, it's the, the little girl's. The parents had that. We had a look in it. It was just her things. They've, they've got it back. Did anyone take note what was in there? Oh, and she looks over to the the um, the evidence guy. And uh, he sort of rummages through some notes. He says, um, uh, yeah, it was uh, a little bit of food, yogurt, and uh, some kind of uh, medicine, I believe. What kind of medicine? Write down the name of the script. Yeah, he explains it was a um, like a, a respiratory steroid pump inhaler. That might explain why he went back for it. But that's also assuming that he knew this little girl's medical history. It's a safe assumption to make. He had to have gone back for it for a reason. I mean, you're not going to rush back to get yogurt. They're in a store. Had to have been for the medicine. It's a, it's a good call there, agent. Uh, Bosco will pull on some gloves and probably pick up the the weapon first to check to see if it's like the service piece or if it's a like a a, a gun that was bought privately. Yeah, it looks like um it's a, a Glock, um, but it looks like it was bought privately. It's not a service piece, but it's the type that um, ATF officers would have been the ATF officers would use. So something he's familiar with. Does it have serial numbers on it, or do they they file that off? Like, is it a is it a burner gun or is it like a you know, like a proper handgun. It still has a serial number on it. Yeah, just write that down. Seems like it was his personal gun. Um, yeah, and there's the taser, the watch, and this burner phone as well. Anything take your interest? Well, I mean, my first thought is that uh, if he's involved with Bail Force, they're known to have weaponry, at least uh, when we looked into him a couple years ago. Figure, you know, they're not going to have anything on the books, but this piece is... Uh, Fairly standard. Maybe we should check the phone. Otherwise, I mean, a taser. You could buy a taser anywhere in Cleveland. Saw one in Bodega the other day. And like, you know, laughs at his own joke. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, you, you grab the, the, the burner phone uh, with your gloves on. Um, and um, you go to turn it on. It still has a bit of juice. Uh, um, I mean, the first thing he's going to go to is like, you know, the, the last series of phone calls recently dialed numbers. Yep. Um, as you look through it, it has no texts at all, no saved numbers, but there's a, a number of calls um, to and from just one number. And it only started three days ago. So three days prior to this abduction. And it's another just random cell phone number. Yep. Write it down um, and show the note to Thea and be like, or Theo. Sorry, I keep fucking that up. Um, uh, well, we might want to run this up. Uh, we could probably check in a database, but I'm sure it's going to be another burner phone. Um, 
But they've only made one call back and forth, so there's got to be somebody involved. Yeah, Thea's going to nod. Yeah. There's a, f- there's a few calls, but it's just to this one number. Yeah. Have you ever had any direct contact with the Belfours before? Not personally. I mean, I've heard of them. They were tertiarily involved in a case several years ago that I, you know, again, was consulting on, but I've not personally met them or know much about them. I do know that they're involved with um, not quite terrorist action, but what could be construed as that militant type religious nuts. Um, Each of you, um, both Theo and Bosco, yeah, give me a... um just give me a flat uh, intelligence roll, please. <laughs> uh, that is a <laughs> um, that's a success for Theo with sixty five versus eighty. Excellent, and it's a fail for Bosco, sixty two versus sixty. <laughs> yeah, I think Bosco, you're busy um, jotting down this number, um, but um, Theo, yeah, you're, you're like, well, maybe maybe you can look up at some point. Um, although you're sort of getting sidetracked, but maybe look up. Um, ATF files, if there are any yeah. that you can get your hands on about the Balfours. Uh, look, I think that's probably not a bad idea to actually pull up what, what's on file if we're going to go and have a chat. Um, the other thing is that I will, um, I guess I'll pull up my phone and um, show Bosco the weird website with the little timer. Wow. Um, well, that's something. What do you make of this? Uh, I mean, look, all of these, all these fanatics, they all have their own little ideas, right? What's the, what's his name? Nostradamus. They all seem to have a fixation with Nostradamus, right? So surely there's some reason that, although that timer is uh, disconcerting, five days, eight hours, 30 minutes. Yeah. The website as well also shows, um, yeah, beyond, you know, this belief that the biblical end times in year. Um, it also talks about, like, the persecution, the ongoing persecution that the church is faced by, by the government and how they want to sort of peacefully overthrow the government to replace it with a Christian theocracy. And uh, you can also buy a book explaining their orthodoxy as well for just uh, twenty nine ninety five over PayPal. You can buy the book of the, the Church of the Passover Angel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm actually impressed with this this GitHub website here, like flipping through it. I'm like, nice, nice work, whoever put this together. It's so good, yeah, just to, to break the fourth wall. Um, yeah, someone, uh, some very lovely person has made, has actually put together this resource, this an actual website um, for the Church of the Passover Angel that you can use as a resource. It's great. It's really well done. Oh, it's, yeah, it's perfect. Perfectly unhinged. Yeah. Um, I, I think back... In character, Frank, like probably, you know, immediately he's going to go to the about us um, and look at it over. It's like, ah, devoted to total submission of the will of God and his herald. Yeah. Um, certainly seems like the types who could uh, cause some harm. And this is the, this is the bail for us. Again, looking back at, at the. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to nod. Bosco, as you're um, just quickly perusing this website, can you give me a, um, a research role? Um, okay. Library use, please. I swear to God, every time I look at this character sheet, I forget how to read. Uh, all right, library use, that is a 40 versus 20 failure. Mm. Um, 
probably because you've got uh, the Balfour still uh, up in the interrogation room, you know, giving statements and being questioned. Um, there's probably other things to do. So you, you, you shut down the website and leave it for now. Um, and also the uh, Theo's suggestion to, to follow up on getting those ATF files about the Balfours as well. Uh, yeah, all right. Bosco's going to look at um, Theo and kind of drop any pretense and be like, look, seems like we're uh, going to be working hand in hand on this case. Um, I guess you're my new partner. I'm your new partner. You come highly recommended, I'll say that. But uh, I'm not. You may have noticed I'm not the best with uh, people. So maybe when we talk to the Bale Fours, you take the lead. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Theo is just going to. A smile and nod at that. Yeah, pro- probably look him over a bit appraisingly, but yeah, just still be pretty polite. Yeah, dirty old leather jacket, flannel shirt, hasn't shaved in three days. <laughs> not, not the most presentable guy. <laughs> well, should we have a look at those records? Yeah, I mean, seems uh, seems better to check the records before we talk to him. Um, but maybe let's uh, let's call down to those detectives and have them offer them some coffee or something keep them around a little bit longer so they don't run out on us while we're reading yeah i I agree to that and probably issue a um not a demand but certainly a request to one of the officers around to do exactly that yeah no problem you know kim mcnatt is kind of helping you out with the 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 local pd side of things so she goes off to make sure the, the balfours are comfortable and make sure whoever's been looking after them is, is um, providing them with water, coffee, whatever they need, um, while the uh, the two of you jump into your your office to find out um, if you can get your hands on this uh, any ATF files that might be on the the Balfours. So yeah, uh, I won't require a role for this because um, you know it's easy for a, 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 the FBI to to make a sort of request, but perhaps it's um, extradited by. Uh, Bosco's knowledge of the the ATF themselves, so it doesn't take too long for you to um get sent back the ATF files on record about the Balfours, which I've just shared with you now. If other of you would like to read it out. The ATF has noted that the Balfours have legally purchased a small number of firearms and has investigated them on several occasions in the past to see if they have any illegal ones. Each time they've come up empty, however, the Bale Fours have known church membership, including a cadre of known white supremacist, militia members, and survivalists, many of whom have illegal firearm-related convictions. One name that keeps coming up as a connection and a known associate of the Bale Fours is John Johnny Zero... Zivovich? Zivovich, yeah. Zivovich, a survivalist with a long history of vocal anti-government protests, but no major criminal record. ATF records also indicate and reveal that there is a well-hidden underground bomb shelter in the woods behind the chapel. Mm, the chapel is on their, their home property. And this guy, Johnny Zivovich, is, um, or Johnny Zero, is, um, yeah, yeah, no, he, he's, his name comes up in relation with, um, you know, sort of freedom rallies, anti-lockdown protests, uh, you know, even January 6th, that kind of stuff, but he doesn't have a major criminal record. I mean, reading through that, Bosco is just going to uh, look at Theo and be like, I'm getting a lot of uh, Waco, Ruby Ridge vibes from this. Not uh, particularly comforting, I'll say. But of course they have a bunker. Who doesn't have a bunker? None of this is really 
giving us any leads for why someone would want to kidnap the child. Well, um, I mean, they've got their countdown, right? Could be somebody trying to accelerate that or somebody trying to stop it. I don't know. I mean, one cult versus another. It's always hard to say with these. <laughs> I hate to use the term, but no jobs. Is that your professional analysis? <laughs> Um, Bosco, give me a, a psychology roll. Oh, that's a 92 versus 40. That's that's a big fail. No problem. Yeah, we'll just leave that thought there, lingering. But yeah, you now have sort of perused these files, have a bit more of a picture of the Balfours. If you're ready to go um, question them, as I mentioned, they're, they're still here being comforted by counsellors and, and questioned by some you know law enforcement personnel. Uh, yep, let's... Let's do this. Um, yeah, probably, probably gonna grab a coffee myself um, and head over to the to the room where the Belfors are. Of course. Yeah, Bosco just falls one step behind on this. He does the you know the gruff arms crossed. Uh, I'm here for appearances act, um, and is gonna fully let Theo lead this. It's it's certainly more their expertise than his. Yeah, of course. So yeah, you you um walk into the, the interrogation room and you see the Balfours before you. Uh, John Balfour is young and, and kind of handsome, um, but uh, quite stern. He gives off this, this, this intense energy. John Balfour, he's probably mid-30s. Mrs. Balfour, maybe a couple of years younger. You see um, she's got red eyes, long blonde hair, and makeup's kind of running down her face. She's been crying. Um, She's nursing this coffee. She also has a, a black eye and a broken nose from being kicked in the face by the abducted George. She kind of looks on the, the verge of a nervous breakdown. And, um, yeah, she is holding in, a, in her arms this, this ladybug backpack. Um, but first, can I get an appearance roll from each of you, Theo and Bosco? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> 19 versus 50, hard success. Uh, that's a 50 versus 60 for Theo, which is a success. Great. Nice one. Um, yeah, both of them kind of look up at you warmly. So you see a glimmer of hope in um, uh, Sarah Balfour's eyes. She says, um, you're going to find our daughter, right? Uh, look, Theo's just going to um, take a seat. Um and like put a coffee down and just say we are doing everything we can to piece this together right now i am so sorry for what's happened to you but if it's all right i'd like to ask some questions she kind of looks to to john balfour and he says um well i don't really know what else to tell you um we just want our daughter home safe. I understand that, Reverend. But we're having a hard time piecing some things together. Let's start. Uh, my name's Theo. Theo Bloom. Uh, this is my partner, Frank Bosco. Firstly, we would like to know whether you think anyone has any reason to cause your family harm or... Take your daughter. John Balfour looks a little angrily at you. He says, no, I do, I do not. Why, why would anyone want to do harm to a little girl? world's not always a great place, as I'm sure you're aware. 
Hmm. Demons everywhere. Um, Mrs. Balfour, um, Sarah Balfour looks up and says, Look, we, we need to find Regina. She's sick. She needs her inhaler. She, she won't survive without it. That is why we have to work quickly. No, uh, John Balfour says so. So then, why are you here asking us more questions? As I said, Reverend Balfour, we need to work quickly. We need to find out if there is anyone out there who might be motivated to harm you or your family. Anyone out there? Of course there's someone out there. And they're still out there. So you'll forgive me if I'm not exactly happy to be here. I should be out there finding my daughter. As should you. We have officers scouring the streets and we have all our resources dedicated to this. If you don't mind, Mrs. Balfour, could I have a word with you alone? John kind of looks at her a little angrily, looks at you, but um, given your success on that appearance role, I'm going to say she um, she lifts her, her hand up and says, um, yes, okay, and um, John Balfour kind of folds his arms and gruffly kind of stands up and sort of looks around, sort of opens up his palms facing up and is like, well, where do you want me to go? Yeah, well, don't uh, don't stress too much. They're just going to have a polite conversation. We're going to do the same. Uh, tell me a bit more about the government coming after you. I'll say it's not the first time I've heard it, but you seem to have uh, some real conviction behind that. Let's just go next door. And yeah, he comes willingly with you as you, you lead him out of the room and uh, perhaps into second interrogation room next door. But for the time being, uh, Theo, you and uh, Mrs. Balfour um, are left alone. Um, I'm assuming that, again, like, you know, she's received medical treatment. Like, I'm assuming that even though she's obviously, like, taken injuries that they've actually been, like, taken care of. Yes, of course. Um, again, I'm... Um, probably just going to like reach out and like see if she'll let me like take one of her hands she doesn't move away but there's not like a, a warmness to her um you know receiving receiving your your hand in hers mrs Balfour, i am i'm sorry for the questions that i have to ask but i really am going to do everything i can to get regina back safely and as soon as possible um Let's start with what happened in the store. Can you tell me about the events in the lead-up? Sure. So, we were just shopping. And this man, this man just came out of nowhere. I tried to stop him, but he took Regina. He could have gotten away, but he came back. Tried to get a backpack. Uh... And then he got Regina out of there, but then he came back again, this, this time with a gun. And uh, that's, when, that's when I managed to get away. And you didn't recognize this man at all? No, I, I'd never seen him before in my life. No. May I ask, the medication your daughter takes, is it a daily dose? Yes. Yes, she, she has a chronic illness. She needs it pretty much all the time. All of this is useful for us. Um, can I ask whether everything is okay between yourself and your husband? 
Give me a um, persuasion or charm, please. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's probably going to be persuade. Um, that is a 56 versus a 66. So that is a success. Great. Yeah, she makes eye contact with you and she says, Of course. He's my husband. I'm his wife. I love him dearly. I sworn myself to him in this life and in the next. I, I understand and appreciate that, Mrs. Balfour, but it wasn't exactly what I asked. Will you ask me if everything is all right between us? Of course it's all right between us. I, I, I don't know what any of this has to do with Regina. As I said, I'm just trying to piece together the picture here. Um, you, you can tell that she is, um, she is speaking honestly about this. So I assume that you fully support your husband and his church? Of course I do. We're, we're a religious family, a traditional family. Our faith, our church, our community, it's, it's everything to us. Are you religious, Miss Bloom? Uh, no. No? You said your name was Theo. I am aware of the irony, as it might appear. So you are aware of St. Theodora? Tell me about her. She was the brother of St. Hermes. She stood by him when he was imprisoned and uh, killed for his faith. So by that account, I guess you could say she was a good woman. Of course, we're Protestants, so the veneration of the saints isn't really... I believe that all believers are saints, whether here on earth or in heaven. I'm going to pull out the phone again and, like, kind of, you know, open up the website, put it in front of her and say, what can you tell me about this timer? It's, well, it's a timer, of course. Sarah, what's it counting down to? His return when righteousness shall be returned to the earth. The rapture. The rapture. Are you telling me that you believe we have five days till the rapture? Yes. It is what we all believe. Uh, Look, at this point, there is probably going to lose a little bit of a veneer. Like, she's going to seem a bit you know, visibly frustrated. Um, and she'll sigh and say, well, I guess we better get a move on. Are you sure there's nothing else you can tell me? Nothing that has happened in the last couple of weeks? No altercations at your church? Nobody arguing with your husband or yourself? No. Nothing. Sarah... If there is anything that you can tell me that might give us a lead here, please. Give me one final persuasion. All right. Uh, that is a five versus 66, which is an extreme success. Oh man, we're here for it. Look at that. She says, um, no. Look, people in the past have tried to take her away, claiming neglect, claiming abuse, but they didn't have the right, and we got it back. It was... It was all religiously motivated. 
by religiously motivated you mean that you were you suspect that they didn't like our church your membership of the church was the reason why they wanted to take Regina it's the reason why they tried alright thank you for your time and for your answers you're gonna find our daughter right I'm gonna do my best um, yeah, no, Theo will kind of stand and gesture for her to stand. Um, and say, look, I think it's time for you to go home and get some rest. Uh, please, if you do think of anything or if you see anything, if you interact with anybody that you think might help us out here, please call me um, and I'll give her my card. Yeah, no problem. She takes it from you and stands up and begins trying to, you know, adjust herself, picks herself up, pulls, tucks her hair back behind her ears and goes to leave. We'll, we'll uh, cut over to what was happening in the adjoining interrogation room with uh, Bosco and John Balfour. So he um, sits down, you know, yeah, and sort of a little brazenly sort of throws his arms up expectantly, waiting for you to take the lead. Well, I mean, like I said... You, uh, you do have a militant view of what's going on with the government, so why don't you explain to me why uh, the government, of all things, and look, we both know how ineffective the government is. I work for the government, and I can assure you, yeah, as a larger body, not so efficient. When they decide to do something, get it done, but the rarity of that is, I mean... It's a dart throw. So explain to me why the government has done this to you, how they are out to get you. I'm all ears. (laughs) Where do I even begin? Um, Give me a a fast talk, please. Where's Jack when you need him? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Fast talk for Frank is a five. So that is a 63 versus five, a fail. Listen, I'll just say this, Mr. Bosco. The world is going into a new world order of disorder. On one side, you have the tyrannical power elite with the money and the weapons. And on the other side, you have the oppressed, the Marxists and the Islamists. And no matter which side of these end up in power, the outcome will always be the same. The attempted destruction of the opposition. I think the world is heading into a great time of disorder. And I think you know it. What we've been seeing so far in the Middle East, in North Africa, in Russia, is just act one of a long drama. And we're seeing it here too. Our leaders are weakening America through her unions, letting drugs and narcotics into our streets, pornography, humanistic teachings, and our schools and universities stating through their news media that the U.S. Constitution is outdated, it's antiquated. But the word of God, which the U.S. Constitution is based on, is not antiquated. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. While he's saying this, uh, Bosco, you see a fly actually flies down onto his face. A single fly was buzzing in the interrogation room and begins to crawl across his face as he looks at you speaking and he doesn't make any effort to swat it away. And he says, um, are you a religious man? I was raised so. First Baptist on Macon Street? Yeah. Well, 
good. Then you would know that uh, back in the days of the Egyptian exodus, the Israelites were aware that the eyes of God were always constantly upon them, judging their actions and their righteousness. And he actually looks up to the camera, uh, pointing down on the interrogation room. He says, uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. It's funny like that. God's judgment is coming. and You should be at peace with that fact. Oh, I came to terms with uh, my end many years ago. I am at peace with who I am and what the world is. But there's something you're forgetting as you work through all this. You're talking about two groups. Now, what about the third that I'm sure you would count yourself in and boys like me? Normal people just coming up trying to do their best God-fearing folk. Folk who uh, live their best lives and do everything they can to not offend their neighbor now again. I know you count yourself in that. You're not these politicians on the hill. You're not uh, the ones raising the floodplains. You're just going to be raised, right, in the rapture. That's the belief. So where do they all fit in? I'm just a herald of God's judgment. I don't control or wield it. It sounds like you got enemies on both sides. And either of those enemies could have taken your daughter, right? So let's say it wasn't the government. What about uh, you, same as me, being this third group? What about that second group? Those who will bring down the judgment, could they have uh, wanted to inflict harm on you as a herald? Maybe. Maybe. Well, I mean, if that's the case, then... I mean, I've got a lot of work to do. I've got I've got two groups to look into, and one of them's going to be a little harder than the other, but there's got to be somebody over the years who's come after you. Now, if there's one thing I know, working, I mean, I worked 20 years with the ATF, huh. it's that the government is far less efficient than the people who want to rep the government. So there's groups out there. You say the government's after you. It's much more likely that... Uh, other groups who want to represent the government are who's after you. Maybe that's that second group. You got any enemies like that? <laughs> the only one who's come after me in the past has been the ATF. So. <laughs> well, well. Maybe they made some mistakes along the way from the way I understand it. You've, uh, at every point, proved yourself to be an upstanding citizen. Am I wrong? Sips his coffee. Hmm. <laughs> I guess so. Listen. Look. Yeah, all right, I'll listen. You talk. The word of God is going to clean out the human soul from all these false doctrines. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. So I guess we'll uh, see where you fall in a few days, um, Mr. Bosco. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess the good news is that I'll be right alongside you. But uh, here's my concern. You want to keep preaching to me, and I appreciate that. You're a man of beliefs, but your daughter's out there somewhere without her medication. And uh, should she be raised in the rapture coming in, what, five days, eight hours? I haven't checked the website in the last hour or two. She's still alive. She'll join us, right? But if you don't give me something so that I can help her and I can find her, she ends her life without the blessing of God. Now she's going to hell, right? 
if you really want to find her, you should be looking at those closest to you. Those closest to me? You're an ATF man. How do I know you guys didn't take her? Well, I won't bullshit you. I mean, I didn't take her, obviously, but, uh, listen. I'll follow up your leads. I'll look into my own, I won't call them brothers, some of them are bastards. I'll look into them. But you know that's not the only lead. And every minute that you sit here trying to push me on one side, you are denying a possibility of finding your daughter. We both know there's more out there than the ATF looking at you, my friend. Give me a um, persuasion or intimidation. Okay. I'll go with intimidate. I think I've been enough of a bastard to (laughs) roll intimidate. Uh, 69 versus 40, that is a fail. He says, I just want to find my daughter. Somehow you're in here questioning me like I've done something wrong. Yeah, well, look. If there's nothing else you have to ask me, I'm going to get out there and find it myself. All right, fine. If there's anything I can impart on you in this last moment that we're going to speak together, I do not think that you have done something wrong. But I don't doubt for a second that the reason your daughter is missing is the life you live. And I would advise you not to raise up your little militia and go looking for her, because nothing but bad can come from that. And with that said, I'm going to do everything I can. And my partner, well, they're the one with the heart. They're going to do even more. So we're going to find your daughter. But I appreciate this talk. It stands up. Remember, God's eyes are always watching. He stands up. That they are, as he opens the door. And, uh, yeah, both uh, John Balfour and Sarah Balfour convene in the, the hallway, and he, with um, an arm around her, leads her out as they go to, to rush out of the police department. I think Bosco, like, <laughs> approaches Theo with a smile. I hope that your conversation went better than mine. Well, it's not every day you find out you have five days to the end of the world. It's not every day, but it's at least once a month. So he gave you nothing? Uh, I mean, he knows something. He knows he has enemies, and he talked about some of those enemies, but he seems pretty fixated that it's us. It's, well, not us. It's the ATF. It's the government. Pretty, pretty hardly clung to that, regardless of obviously knowing he has more enemies than that. Mm. What about you? Not a lot, but it does seem like at a certain point... We did try to take Regina from them. I think we should look into any child custody case against the Belfours. Uh, Mrs. Belfour, of course, said it was religiously motivated. I mean... But that might explain why they're a little hostile. Yeah, well, I could see that. I mean, if uh, DSS came out, and certainly ATF has investigated them a couple times, I could see how they're hostile. Do you know whether George was a primary investigator in any of the cases against the Belfours in the past? I don't. Do I? You looked at the um, at the files that you got from the um, ATF on their investigations, and no, he was not a part of them. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess that's Bosco's response. Like, uh, to my knowledge, no. I mean, in in this region, they've been mentioned once or twice in the last couple of years, but I don't. I don't think George was directly involved with any other cases. All right. 
Well, the only other thing is that that medication she takes, she needs it daily. Daily? Um. So if somebody out there knew enough to try and grab that bag, maybe they'll do a run on a pharmacy. Oh. All right. I mean... Did you, uh, did she tell you exactly the script or, or what the condition was? I mean, that, that's definitely a lead. That's something we could follow up. So, certainly somebody without a script to try to get a hold of that in the last day or so. Uh, in that interview, we did not talk about it, but I thought we had the, I thought they'd taken a note in evidence. Uh, they had taken a note in evidence. You know that you can also, um, try and access the medical records, probably, if you're also trying to access any sort of court records, you could probably access the medical records of Regina Balfour as well to get a better detail on the exact medication. Yeah, so I'd say let's pull up some medical records and take a look at this court case. Yeah. I'm going to say that um, you guys uh, as you sort of head back up to the office to um, speak to Lucy Bates where she's there. You can debrief her on what you found and begin investigating this av- these avenues. But um, that's probably where we're going to leave this episode for now cool yeah well uh we'll jump into that next time well i'm certainly hooked in that <laughs> was a was a hell of a hell of a build-up <laughs> <laughs> awesome all right yeah it's only been a couple of hours Ooh, and already pretty spooky well i will see you all next time yeah see you guys bye and if you're watching this on youtube uh please subscribe to the channel please like it Uh, Or if you're listening on any of your podcast apps, also make sure you subscribe and follow. Uh, It helps other people find the podcast. Bye-bye.